Screw it, screw it, we're just just gonna gonna talk about Spider-Man. Hello and welcome to Screw It, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. This is the podcast where uh, we talk about Spider-Man normally, and what we normally do is we go over one of the original comic book issues done by the original creative team of Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. We do an episode per issue. That's what we normally do, but this is um, a special episode, uh, a sort of sad and commemorative episode. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Will Hines. I'm your other co-host, Kevin Hines. Uh, And last night, it was sort of released to the media that Steve Ditko had died. Right. Steve Ditko, the co-creator of Spider-Man, the original artist and co-writer. Yeah, and I guess he had died a few days earlier. I think the article I read said he died on the 29th. Yeah, but uh, and then his body was found yesterday. It was just discovered, yeah, on uh, July 6th. So, I mean, (laughs) very fitting for someone as reclusive as he is that he would have been dead for over a week before we heard about it. A social worker was checking on him and, and... was worried that he hadn't been in touch or something like that. And that social worker got in touch. I don't know. The, I'm a little sketchy on the details, but the cops ended up finding him like either yesterday or the day before. The, the news broke yesterday. Yes, the news broke yesterday. He may have been dead as early as June 27th. So Kevin and I texted each other right away and because um, we've been doing this podcast about Steve's Spider-Man issues. Uh, we've been talking about Steve Ditko a lot. It was crazy. I was just emailing uh, a future guest that we may or may not get, so I don't want to name him. Uh, and I jokingly... Barack. The first name is Barack. That's all we can say. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather go with last name. Okay. So it's Obama. Somebody. Somebody Obama. Um, no. Um, but I was emailing this person and I in the, at their email, they sort of jokingly said like, just so you know, I didn't work on those original issues. Um, right. And I, my response was, oh, you're not Steve Ditko's ghost artist. And as I hit send, you texted me and said, Steve Ditko just died. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, yeah. man, I just sent a very weird email. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Kevin and I texted each other. And so we want to do basically like a, a I guess this is our going to be our eulogy for Steve Ditko. Um, yeah, this is the screw. Our, we're just going to talk about Spider-Man eulogy. Uh, yeah. Um, our thanks to Steve for the great work he did for creating this character that we love. Um, we're going to talk about what made Steve very special. He and like and like we've already mentioned, he was reclusive, so there there weren't like a ton of interviews or things that he did. I think a lot of people do not know the name Steve Ditko, and it's kind of a shame. And so yeah, we're going to talk about what what he meant to us and and why we think he he's great. And we're certainly not alone in thinking that. People who don't read the comics may have heard Stanley, and then a small subset of them may have heard Jack Kirby. Yeah. And then an even smaller subset of those people. I don't think anyone's heard Steve Ditko without knowing Jack Kirby, but like an sure. even smaller subset of the people who've heard of Jack Kirby have heard of Steve Ditko. Yeah. And he's sort of like the third big name of the Marvel universe. That's right. You know, a founding it's, father. It's Stan, Jack, and Steve. Um, uh, in that order is roughly who you say when you're when you're talking about who made Marvel what it is. Yeah, not necessarily in importance, but that's in fame and and yeah. known and and how well you know them. Um, yeah, you could argue about who's more important. Like that, you know, when it comes to creative collaboration, it's really hard to separate yeah. and it. And I might to- make an argument at the end that Steve Ditko was the most important at the end of this pot episode. Oh yeah, I can totally end. see that argument. I can completely see it. Just He's, for if this is his eulogy, I want to make that argument. Yeah, I mean, he was the Let's most say, unique, right? Like he he was the yeah. most unique voice. He followed his own instincts and the beat of his own drum maybe more yeah. than anybody um, but let's talk just real briefly about just like um like a recap for marvel 
Okay. But yeah, let's say if this if this were an obituary, Steve Ditko was an illustrator and and he was a comics comic book guy and he co-created with Stan Lee Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. And before well he did that, many of their most famous villains. Yeah, as long as the, the villains who we associate with those characters. Um, but he also had a big comics career before and after Marvel. Um, he was a recluse and didn't ign- and, and um, refused all publicity since like 1966. Um, yeah. You could buy comics that he drew, but you couldn't talk to the guy. And there are people who tried really hard to talk to him, and he he would sort of politely but firmly refuse. Um, he would answer mail. He was uh, uh, he wasn't totally shut off, but he wouldn't necessarily talk about the things you wanted him to talk about. Yeah, um, it's it's unclear whether he enjoyed getting the mail or just felt like it, he was obligated to respond. I, I, I'm unsure about that. Yeah. So, Kevin, you were going to say, let's talk about Steve before he got to Marvel. Yeah, just real briefly. Um, yeah. He, I mean, he he worked for tons of companies. He worked for like everybody, um, just wherever he could get work. Um, and had sort of by just before sort of the birth of the Marvel superhero universe had been doing more and more work at Marvel because Marvel, I think, paid the best. Yeah. Uh, my, my very rough understanding of it, and this definitely goes under the take this with a grain of salt, is that in the late 50s, comics went into a sort of decline, maybe because of the comics code, maybe because they were just going out of fashion. But like there was less money than there had been a little bit before. But Stan Lee... And what was called Atlas Comics or Timely Comics paid a slightly higher page rate. And Stan maybe had good taste in who the good artists were. And he started quietly getting work to the good people like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, also Wally Wood and like other good folks uh, uh, kind of quietly. Yeah, he, he sort of brought them into the fold and with, with the uh, permission of, I guess, the publisher started making superhero comics, starting with the Fantastic Four with and Jack Kirby. Yep. Um, and, and Spider-Man was uh, uh, a pretty early uh, addition um, after yeah. Ant-Man. Um, yeah. And I think the same time as Thor. Yeah. And um, Steven, Steven Stan had been doing science fiction stories before they did superhero stuff. Um, science fiction and fantasy stories for Amazing Fantasy. Am I doing yeah. this in uh, and Steve, Yeah, I, mean, I, I think that's all fine. Yeah, and Steve uh, Ditko was, I think, the, the first like non-Kirby person to like basically do the first issue of a new character. Yeah, like if you're, it if just you're sort of Kirby launched everything. Yeah, Jack Kirby was like the main guy, and that and that was always true. He, you know, co-created the Fantastic Four, and even before he was working with Stanley, he co-created Captain America with Stanley. He did the X Men and the Hulk and Thor. You know, he is the most prolific, highest volume of the big Marvel characters. It's Jack and Stan. Um, but then Steve Ditko kind of came in and did Spider Man, which was the became biggest. their biggest their biggest hero. Yeah. And he only worked on the comic for three years. Yeah. Um, so he well, had... Three and a half, maybe, something like that. Yeah, he didn't have the volume that Kirby did. Almost nobody had the volume that Kirby did. Um, yeah, nobody. In terms of pages and number of characters. And Kirby's a genius and gets lots of praise and deserves it. And we could talk about Kirby forever also. We love him. And you can't love Marvel Comics without loving Jack Kirby. Um, but uh, he's buried actually out here in Hollywood, not to digress. You can go to Kirby's grave out here in L.A. And there's a little crown on the gravesite for the king, Jack King Kirby. Oh, well, I saw Kirby briefly the one time I went to San Diego Comic-Con. He was there. Ooh, that's pretty um, cool. I basically just saw him behind a table and I was just sort of like long line to get to him. And I was like, that's sort of cool. But I don't know what I would say to him. I'm yeah. not an autograph guy. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I love that you saw him. I think that's so exciting. That, yeah, I did see him. I've never seen. I don't think I've seen Stan Lee. 
Um, I think I have either in person, and definitely have never seen Steve Ditko at least knowingly. Yeah, maybe we walked by him, and when we because we worked right by him in New York, he was right across the avenue. There's always a chance I was in a bodega buying a stick of gum, and he was right there getting a, a sandwich. Yep, that's right. Um, so. Okay, so Jack Jack was like the main guy, but so the, the, the cool thing about Steve is that he was far less prolific, but with what he did was so impactful, like he did a lot more with less volume-wise. Um, part of this was he had such a distinct style. Kirk, Kirby style, you've made this quote before, Kirby style became the house style for Marvel. You know, everybody who was hired for Marvel was told, draw like Jack, except for one yeah, person. And it, and if they couldn't do that, like Kirby would do breakdowns and they would have to just basically flesh uh, out yeah, Kirby's work. But Steve was allowed to follow his own style because he was so good and he was so distinctive. He was not on, he did not have to copy Kirby. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he would have. He wouldn't uh, have done but it. But also Stan Lee yeah. knew to say like, yeah, this guy can do his own thing. I don't think until like Jim Steranko, maybe John Romita, even John Romita, I think when he first started was working off Kirby. Probably. Um, so Ditko was like a unique voice. So now let's let's talk a little bit about what made Ditko's art unique. Because when if you picture Spider-Man, and Kevin, you've made this observation, you're actually probably not picturing the way Steve Ditko drew him. If you're like a casual, you know, fan. Yeah. Like when we were growing up, most of like the marketing, like, you know, the coloring books and the T-shirts and the lunch boxes would be either from a cartoon or from Romita. And I would say even the cartoons were pulling more from Romita's style. Than yeah. anyone else's. John Romita, who was the art, the second artist, the guy who takes over Spider-Man after Ditko quits. Um, he became like the guy that was really merchandised and marketed. And so like, and he was great. You know what I mean? He's got a great classic, clean look of Spider-Man. But um, it's definitely his uh, Mary Jane. Obviously, he's the first person to draw Mary Jane. That's and even his Gwen Stacy is who I picture. Yeah, that's those are um, Romita characters. Yeah, even but, though Gwen starts with Ditko, it sort of became more of a Romita character. Yep, yep. So now, but sort Ditko, of the more square-shouldered uh, Peter Parker, I think of with with Romita. Yeah. So what I think about Ditko is like that his stuff is more kind of human and more. I don't know how to put this in a nicer way, but it's like more grotesque in an interesting way. Like it's very cool and distinctive. It's like, it's like if you're trying to draw a person, but you actually look at the person's face and take time to draw it the way it looks, you might realize, you know what? People's eyes, I mean, I'm now I'm making this example up. It's like people's eyes are a little closer together than you might draw in an ideal way or like, wow, this person that I'm drawing, their chin's a little weird. Like Ditko incorporated a lot of specificity into his work, um, that, which makes yeah. it identifiable immediately. You're like, oh, this is a Ditko drawing. I would say where Kirby's work was powerful, uh, Ditko's work was emotional. Yeah, that's right. It was creepy and sad and tragic and scary. Yeah, Dit Kirby um, was heroic. Kirby had like the broad-shouldered Kennedy brow guy stepping almost out of the panel to the reader with his fist extended forward, ready to defeat the bad guy. And Ditko would have a schlumped, a guy back schlumped, fraught with worry, deeply shadowed. Um, a little you know, off-putting, a little scary, uh, a little yeah. tragedy um, there. Yeah, a little melancholy. Um, that, that would be Ditko's. And... And it worked so well for, I mean, Spider-Man was just the perfect character for this style. Yeah. I mean, it was a perfect melding. I mean, so was Dr. Strange, who we, this is podcast is not about. Dr. Strange was also perfect for Ditko and that was his other yeah. big character at Marvel. Yeah. But I mean, Spider-Man being so huge, if Spider-Man had just been another heroic character, if he had just been another Captain America, I don't know whether he'd be nearly as big. I don't know if he would work as well. 
Yeah. Um, the tragedy is so sewn into Spider-Man and Peter Parker that I can't imagine the character without it. Yeah, the doubt and the worry and the guilt. Uh, even even the though anger. there's a, the anger. Yeah, even though there's a lot of happy energy in Spidey comics, there's a lot of jokes. He really enjoys having his powers uh, pretty soon yeah. after he starts using them. But um, but there's always this just just out of just off screen cloud of worry and anxiety in Peter Parker's life, which is something you relate to a lot if you're a teenager or any age reading these books. Um, it's what makes Peter Parker a lot more relatable than, you know, any of the other Marvel protagonists, I think. Yeah. Compared to like Iron Man or Thor. Yeah. Like Iron Man's or a basically anyone play maybe the thing. Yeah. The thing also had that sadness. The thing had that like haunted sadness and he's one of the biggest characters of the sixties. I mean, he makes the fantastic four, you could argue. Yeah. So, uh, Ditko is special. Now, beyond his art, just like he himself uh, was stubborn and like and like uh, a control freak, I guess, and also ambitious. Like he really wanted Spider-Man, I think, to be a great, great comic. Like he he really worked at it. Like the fights are so well drawn. The panels are so well composed. Ditko inked his own stuff, which meant he finished it. He wouldn't let, you know, normally in comics, the Jack Kirby would do the pencils and then somebody else would come in and do the inks so that Kirby could do more pages. But Ditko did it all. Yeah. I mean, he was not a character who phoned it in. I've been reading this, um, some stuff on him, a lot of stuff on him. And one of the things they talk about is even when, before he worked for Marvel and he was sort of doing some work for Marvel and some work for, uh, lots of different companies, it wasn't like he put more effort into the companies that paid him more. He put the same amount of effort in everything. He just, he wouldn't make a page if he wasn't going to give it his all. Yeah. Um, so obviously he, once, I think he must've known to some extent that Spider-Man was special, was more popular, more exciting. Yeah. Because I think it meant even more to him. Right. Um, which is why he quit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do we, we don't know why he quit, right? Spider-Man became a huge hit. He, we don't know for sure. We could guess, but we don't know the official reason. Yeah. Um, there's so many different guesses. Stan Lee isn't, doesn't even know or, or has forgotten or isn't, was never sure. Um, I just, I read this article last night because I've just been reading everything anyone posted. Um, and someone talked about, this is much later on. So this would have been like the nineties, I guess. Uh, Stan Lee was working on a comic called Ravage 2099. Okay. Um, as part of the Marvel 2099 universe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Tom DeFalco was working with Stan on that, I believe, or Tom DeFalco was maybe the editor at the time. Okay. And Tom had worked with Steve okay. Ditko on Machine Man. In the late 70s. And so he asked, so he basically, I think, reached out and said, hey, would you want to do an issue or a storyline or do something with Stan on this? Sort of just like a shot in the dark, like, yeah. oh, if this happened, this would be great. And Steve took the meeting. Oh, interesting. And uh, came in, took the meeting. And I'm sort of re uh, recollecting this. I'm probably getting some details wrong, but sort of discussed it with Stan and discussed it with Tom. And then at the end of the meeting, basically said, no, nah, I'm not interested in doing this. Okay. But seemed like happy to have had this conversation, happy to have like sat down with Stan uh, and Steve left. And after Steve left, Stan turned to Tom and goes, do you know why he quit Spider-Man? Wow. He didn't and know. Tom's like, you should know yeah. <laughs> what well, you need to ask that. He's like, I just don't know. I don't understand it. Yeah. It's like, I think Stan is still, was still, maybe still is sad that this fell apart. Yeah. I wonder if Steve wanted back in the big time, you know, like it just had to be on his terms and it wasn't going to be on his terms. You know, maybe he wanted, it had to be the story he wanted to do. Maybe it had to be the money that he wanted it to be, you know, or, uh, and it just, yeah, I think he needed complete control. It needed to be a hundred percent what he wanted and he, he gets to do whatever part of it he wants and has to be done the way he wants. Otherwise 
He doesn't care. I don't think he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do half of what he wants. He doesn't want to compromise. Yeah, it's, um, you know, as a fanboy <coughs> who loves Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, you have this fantasy that Steve and Stan would get back together and, like, do something great again. It rarely works out like that when those collaborations get back together after a long time. Uh, another story uh, that was talked about, I forget who, it might have also been Tom, there was a talk of him coming back and doing basically like an untold tale of Spider-Man, basically what, what Spider-Man would have done in the stories following Ditko's original issues, if Ditko had control, basically Ditko, you come back, do the Spider-Man story you want. Yeah. And he taught, and Steve Ditko sort of thought it through and talked about it, but it never really happened. Um, and even that sounds amazing. Now that I would have, if we had gotten that to see him draw Spidey again would have been so exciting. It would have been, I think the, 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 the article talked about it being like the summer after high school. Um, for, for Peter. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would have been the story. And I can't, uh, that's such a, that's like a non-written story that a man wouldn't, <laughs> I'd love to see. Yeah. Ooh, God, that'd be fun. Get that from uh, the Endless's uh, Dream Library. I was just it. thinking that. I was, I was thinking if I should bring it up or if that was too nerdy to bring up Sandman's Dream Library. <laughs> yeah. well, we gotta, I gotta say what that is now. Yeah, sure. That's fine. The, the character of the Sandman. What's that? I don't think I could explain it. So it's like. The character of the Sandman by Neil Gaiman, DC Comics, who is the dream lord, Morpheus, um, who I have portrayed on Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, uh, inaccurately and badly. <laughs> but um, but uh, Morpheus, the character, uh, is the, the lord of dreams. Like a lot of the stories of Sandmans are related to people's dreams or the effect their dreams starts to have on their waking lives. It's very like very like sci-fi fantasy anthology story style stuff. Um, but Sandman in his, uh, in the dreaming, which is his realm, he has a library and in that library is every book that wasn't yet written. Like it, it could be anything from stuff Mark Twain never had thought about, just dreamed of, but never had a chance to actually do. They exist in that library. So it could be like, yeah, un unfinished stuff of Mark Twain. Um, uh, uh, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien's, stories that he didn't get a chance to do the, the last of game of thrones if george rr R. martin dies <laughs> the rest of the series would exist in sandman's dream library yeah stuff like get that. to read the end of it yep and um yeah so ditko's unwritten spider-man story is in the graphic novel section of uh sandman's dream library <laughs> i'd love to check out the graphic novel section of the dreaming i i bet you would be great <laughs> um but yeah, uh, so the, uh, these articles are great because you're hearing little tidbits about that. Um, yeah, but we think he left because uh, it was either control over the character with Stan. I bet it was money, though. Uh, you know, I think they started to see the money this this character was making, and neither Stan or Steve owned the character. It all belonged to Martin Goodman, the right. publisher of Marvel Comics. He was going to make, and I'm sure did, make a fortune, a huge, huge fortune off this thing that he put no work into. And I could totally imagine somebody walking over that. Yeah, they'd probably say it was pride, say it was respect, but almost always that comes down to like, I wasn't paid what I was worth. Yeah. I mean, and he's right. Yeah. Like I would, he's right. And Stan, Stan would get paid in other ways by being the executive editor and being like the executive producer of all these movies. Stan certainly did very well. And I think he deserved it, but even Stan wasn't paid as an owner of the character. Like he never had that, uh, or yeah, at least Stan not at that time. Maybe that changed yeah. later, but like in the sixties, he, he wasn't. I mean, he was never paid what the character was worth. I mean, if you consider Stanley, let's say 30% of what it's worth, he's never gotten that. Right. 
Um, if you if you'd say thirty percent is Stan, thirty percent is Steve, and forty percent is the ownership for like investing in it, be pretty generous. Yeah, they, they haven't gotten their share. That's right. Um, the 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 ownership of the Spider Man character became something that was really disputed by everybody involved. Like my, our own ana- amateurish as fans estimation. Me and Kevin, we sort of say it's fifty fifty. Steve and Stan, you know, that seems, seems to be to closer way, to yeah. the truth from what we can tell than anything yeah. else. Uh, we think both their contributions are so crucial. Uh, any which way, you'd, even if Steve did all the plot and the drawing, I think the dialogue is so crucial to the personality of the character. I would still give Steve uh, Stan half. Yeah, um, but but the, everybody think, involved. And I think Stan had some uh, story, input. story, especially in the origin. You know, I think like yeah. that was something they probably talked about. They probably talked that through. And the origin is so crucial to the mythology of the character. Yeah. Um, so for, for me and Kevin, it's 50-50 Steve and Stan. And anything else is sort of unknowable. But to those guys, basically in court, Stan would say he thought of everything. But I think that was just for legal reasons. I don't think even he really believes that. Like in the 2000s, there was some like deposition when they were trying to determine like stuff for the movies. And Stan under deposition said he thought of everything. But I... That doesn't jibe with stuff he said in other interviews, and it, it doesn't jibe with what we know about the, their partnership. I think he was just saying I mean, it. Stan Lee even did like an open letter saying, like, I consider Ditko to be the co-creator. And some people think he just did that sort of saying, like, I don't know, to be nice. Yeah. But he didn't actually believe it. And I mean, who knows what someone actually believes in their heart. Yeah. Um, I think Stan probably would say it's 60-40, Stan. Yeah. And I bet Ditko would say it's like 90 10 Ditko. Right. Ditko was very aggressive about him being the creator of Spider-Man because there's another person who has some credit and it's Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. Jack Kirby was uh, uh, Jack Kirby was the first artist assigned to work on this and actually drew like four or five pages of what the first issue of Spider-Man would have been or the first Spider-Man story. And Stan didn't like it and sort of kind of threw it away and asked Steve to do it instead. But the name was set. And the fact that Peter was living with his aunt and uncle was set. Um, the fact that he was a teenager was set. Um, now, Steve took it over, changed the powers, designed the costume. Jack was, I think, going to have like a magic ring give him the power from a scientist yeah, next more door. Shazam type. He's going to turn into an adult man. Like Shazam or like Captain Marvel, I mean. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. So it changed radically. Like, I think it's pretty safe. You can take Jack out of the story the way it worked out. But I don't know, in a court of law... Uh, first five pages, but Ditko would write essays later being like, I saw those five pages. They are nothing like what Spider-Man would be. It is not, <laughs> Ditko argued hard that Kirby had nothing to be involved and I'm that, that Kirby wasn't involved. And I read that essay and I was like, no one's saying Kirby's involved. What are you getting so mad yeah. about? Like it's, it's Stan is the other person that people yeah. are saying who deserves credit. But, but I guess the point is they were, they were all passionate about even, but Kirby in like the late seventies was saying he considered himself to be a co-creator of Spider-Man. I don't know if that was just wishful yeah. thinking or Kirby wasn't a it guy. wasn't enough to have created, Kirby created everything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Kirby wasn't a guy who was normally that much of a show off. I mean, certainly he was proud of his work and wanted credit, but like he wasn't like a boisterous me, me, me guy in interviews. But- I think this stuff was just so collaborative that it, it was hard to say. And then also uh, the, the writing was so, the writing didn't really happen, especially at Marvel, didn't happen until after it was drawn. Like it would, you discuss it, but nothing would be like written down unless the artist took notes. It wasn't like a script was sent. Yeah. So it didn't even exist until the artist. It's not like now where like a writer writes a script and yeah. passes it along. So you can yeah. say, well, no, the writer 
came up with all these ideas. Here's the proof. He handed it to the artist. The artist made it. Yeah. The artist isn't crucial, but, and back then that part didn't even exist. So it's even more yeah. confusing. So, so Ditko left Marvel and I don't think he was happy. I think like he can. When I make your Enforcers TV show. Oh yeah. Did you create it or did I make it? I'm 100% including the characters. Okay, the characters created by Steve Ditko and Stanley. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, okay, um, so yeah. Ditko left Marvel, and he and he basically wasn't happy, and he never really spoke of Marvel that well. It seemed to leave a sour taste in his mouth. But he did do work for Marvel again. He worked for lots of companies, including DC and Charlton. Uh, he never stayed anywhere very long because he just didn't get along with people well enough to to get long runs. Yeah, he was um, he was stubborn, and I think he was strange, like. Um, I ordered a bunch of Ditko comics just a month ago and I, and, uh, they're really interesting and cool looking. Um, his style is awesome, but, uh, there was also these short essays Ditko had written and, um, they, they are hard to follow. Um, they are, they're kind of vague and slightly contentious. I'm not going to go so far as to say they're like incoherent ramblings, but they're, but they are vague and circular and it'd be like he wouldn't actually come out and make a point and he uses lots of rhetorical questions and putting quote marks around things to undermine them. You know, like who is a creator and who knows the quote truth and who can say who is the quote, you know, origin of a story or something. But he never answers those questions. And so it's like you read it and you're like, well, I didn't learn anything in this essay. And if you worked with somebody who was talking to you like that, that would be infuriating. I mean, also I look at somebody who just never worked with anyone well again. And what's the thing in common with all those people? Yeah. You had a series of bad relationships and you are the com common denominator and all those people worked well with other people. Yeah. That doesn't mean his work wasn't still amazing. Blue Beetle's a really cool character. The Creeper, I think is a really cool character. The question is undeniably awesome. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about some of the uh, ways that Ditko influenced comics that besides Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, like what you just said, that people really might not know. Sure. So like, so one yeah. of the most well-known comic book stories is probably Watchmen. Yeah. And those characters are versions or inspired by characters created by Steve Ditko. Yep. Like, you know, it's one of the most I critically mean, acclaimed comic book stories of all time. And all of the characters are maybe not all, all, but like 90% of the characters in that book, like most are inspired by the characters Ditko did for Charlton comics. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're departed enough that I wouldn't say Ditko is responsible for Watchmen, right. but he inspired created, Watchmen. Yeah. Visually for sure. Like Alan Moore created the personalities and the backstory and he gave it the texture and he created those characters with, with Dave Gibbons. But, um, the visual look of it, like Rorschach and the question, I mean, they look a lot alike. Yeah. And Night Owl and Blue Beetle are real close to each other. Very close. Yeah. Um, and the Peacemaker and the Comedian. Um, Captain Adam and Dr. Manhattan. This those is, are a little further away, but you see the, you see the, the heart of those characters or the root of those characters, maybe is a better word in Ditko's work. But even visually like Captain Adam was like a sort of, he had blue skin, you know, and he was mm -hmm. full of radiation and he could be dangerous to those around him. And Dr. Manhattan is a, but he was more guy. of a fly and swing and punch guy versus the stoic standstill. Manhattan. Like the personality is totally different, but a blue guy based on radiation, uh, um, it's yeah, you can see the starting point in Ditko's work. Um, he also did a Squirrel Girl, right? He did Squirrel Girl, who's a very popular character right now at Marvel, really fun character. Yep. Uh, uh he came back and did, he invented Squirrel Girl, and um, he also designed Iron Man's second or maybe third, I don't know how you consider it, set of armor, which was like maybe the most iconic armor. Yeah, he went I mean, through I a few smaller tweaks, but his first, his first 
Iron Man design, I think it's still, you still see it in the armor now. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty huge contribution that doesn't get talked about. Yeah. Like visually, Steve was just very creative and really cool. And uh, and he wasn't cliche. Uh, I mean, those Doctor Strange comics, they're trippy, man. Like nobody was doing stuff like that. I mean, he didn't create the Hulk, but he drew some of those early issues. And I think he was a huge part of that. Yep. Um, uh, so D- Ditko also came to represent, you know, he was often described as the J.D. Salinger. Like the fact that he was a recluse, I think, added to his mystique for his fans and his and creators, you know, like yeah, he's he, very private and you just don't know. You don't know what he's thinking because he wouldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have said on this podcast before, he must have gotten money from the movies because his name's in the credits. But he denied that he he responded in interviews that he did not get any money from the movies. Um, that has to be his own decision. I think if, uh, I think if he wanted to argue for some, he could have gotten it, but I'm curious if now, if at least other people's sides of stories will come out a little bit and things will be said, like we offered him this, he refused it or he took this. So we didn't have to give him any more. I don't know. There's no good answer to any of these stories, but yeah, there were a couple of people who interviewed him. There was this documentary, which you can see online. Um, oh God, I'm forgetting the, the search for Steve Ditko or something like that. Yeah. 2007. Looking for Steve Ditko. This guy, Jonathan Ross from Great Britain, a huge fan of Steve Ditko, like really, you know, interviewed a lot of his, a lot of comics luminaries to talk about Ditko and what his influence was. And then like went to New York and tried to talk to him and I think did talk to him, but respected his wishes to not be included, you know, or recorded. But I wonder if anybody recorded any audio and they're going to release it. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance something will come out now. It will always be the other side, not his side of the story. So, yeah. Um, uh, why don't we, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what he's meant to us, I guess. Sure. Um, for me, I guess, I mean, I, I saw his art before I knew who drew and I didn't like, I saw his name written in the Spider-Man comics that we read as a kid, but I don't think it meant anything to me. Right. Um, and it was only when I started like digging into, uh, when I was reading modern comics, but also still digging into old issues where I sort of realized how important those issues were to me. Yeah. Um, and before Kirby, Ditko, I think, was the guy that I was like, ah, oh, this, I mean, this is the stuff that resonated with me as a kid. It was more important to me. I then would go on to really love Kirby's work um, beyond the fact that he inspired everybody who followed him. Uh, but Ditko stuff I liked right away. Yeah. Uh, I would have to express my love for Ditko through Spider-Man. Um, you know, it's he impacted my life through the character of Spider-Man, like the the mixture of uh, a sense of duty with uh, the worry about that you might not be able to do it. The the joy of doing good mixed with the franticness of not always getting what you deserve because of that, uh, you know, connected with me in a way that Spider-Man was was my guy. And I know that you feel that way even more, Kevin. Um, and yeah, I mean, lots of people feel that way. He, and, and I think it's all from there, all from largely from Ditko. Yeah, and it's a source, it's a Spider-Man, you know, is like, uh, is almost a vocabulary word that communicates certain ideas. Um, our, our other brother, Brian, I remember a long time ago was telling me a story of how he was playing basketball and the other person on the other team was being very aggressive. So, I'm, you know, I'm getting some of the details wrong on this, but like would like, you know, I don't know, drop a shoulder and kind of charge Brian or maybe was just playing a little more rough than necessary for whatever this casual game was. And that Brian had a temptation to like start something, uh, to start a fight, um, but he didn't. And uh, when he was emailing me the story, he's like, you know, 
uh, I'm, you know, something like I'm Spider-Man, you know what I mean? I gotta, I gotta like, I gotta play, I gotta take the high road like a superhero or something, you know? Um, and it was a, a, a term used to say I had to do what was right, not what I emotionally wanted to do. Um, yeah. And it's um, like Spider-Man's big thing is, uh, you fight not because, uh, not because even you should, it's because you can, because you can do what's right. You've got to do what's right. Yeah. Responsibility, right? That's, that's the main watchword yeah. you, that you know with Spider-Man. And it's so cool that such exciting stories came out of it. Um, and that character inspired, Spider-Man inspires basically most superheroes who come out nowadays. There's uh, a bit of Spider-Man in them. That's sort of like any character that comes out where their life is not perfect and the superhero only makes it harder, which is most modern day superheroes, even like Miss Marvel. There's Spider-Man DNA in there. Yep. Uh, I mean, Superman is the most important character in the superhero world because it created the genre, basically. But number That's two, right. and probably the best, in my opinion, the best superhero character ever in terms of actually good stories combined with influence combined with personal emotions expressed through it, it's Spider-Man. There's no contest. Um, the, yeah. the amount of people uh, who emotionally connected with this character is it's phenomenal. Like people don't know the name Steve Ditko, but they they do know the name Spider-Man and they're going to know it for a long, long time. Anytime uh, a new writer takes on writing Spider-Man or not anytime, but a lot of times and there'll be articles and they'll talk about like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get to write Spider-Man. It's so great. And often what they say is like, yeah, I feel like I'm Spider-Man. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, everyone does. <laughs> yeah. That's a testament to the character. And Ditko died alone in his apartment last week. Uh, there's no knowing what this guy thought, but I hope that he took joy in how far his character has traveled and it's going to keep traveling and also or at least pride. Yeah. He deserves it. He deserves he to be. feel that like he didn't get the money he deserved. He didn't get the recognition. That's partly his own decision. Um, but as an artist, part of your goal is to connect with an audience and feel like you are known. And he had that more than almost anybody in comics history. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope that that meant something to him and that, that sunk in cause he deserved it. I, I'm really sad that he's dead. I mean, he was 90 years old. Certainly it's a, he had a, it's not a tragic age to die at, but like, I always liked knowing that he was still out there. I liked picturing him walking the streets of New York and seeing kids with like Spider-Man swag. And I'm sure there were days where that was painful for him to see, but I also like to think that there were days where he's like that. Yep. That's my guy. I did that. I did that person, you know? Yeah. Um, that have to be a part of you that felt that way or I, I, I would. Yeah. And I liked, I, I liked knowing that he was out there. I liked entertaining the notion that I might meet him someday, even though I, I knew that really wasn't possible. And when I got the news uh, yesterday, I was sad. I was like, it, it, it was like a gut yeah. punch. It was like when David Bowie died. I just like, it's like, oh yeah, I guess he was old enough for this to happen, but I, w I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't thinking it was imminent. Yeah. Uh, it, this is a big one for me. Uh, as far as someone dying, somebody texted me. It was, it was like, a Beatles. It was a panelist from my Beatles podcast. And they just texted me, uh, uh, condolences about Steve. And I was like, and I thought Steve Martin died. <laughs> uh, I was yeah. like, who's Steve? That'd be, that'd be in that same realm for me. I think I was like, and then I went to the internet and I was like, who, who died? That's Steve. And I was sitting with, um, my friend, Billy Merritt. And I said that out loud and he goes, what? Somebody named Steve died. And he texted, he goes, who's Steve Ditko? And I was like, what? <laughs> then I confirmed it and then I texted you. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's how I found out. Cause then I was, I was uh, bathing my, I was helping my wife get my son ready for bed. Uh, and then I'm like shouting from another room to her going, uh, Steve Dietko died. She's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 
always best to live in the moment and look forward rather than yeah yeah <laughs> dwell. She's like, get in here and, and help, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, there, there, I was it at, shook me up. I was at the UCB theater with Billy and two people poked their heads in the room where we were sitting just to say hi. And I turned to them and I said, Steve Ditko died. And they both went, ah, but their eyes were like, we don't know who that is. Like they were looking at each other, like kind of half shrugging. Um, And then I went co-creator of Spider-Man and they were like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's, that's the reaction probably most people are going to have for this. The people not listening to this, people listening to this podcast know who he is. Sure. Yeah. Um, Because we talk about him every episode, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, Real quick. I want to say, my argument for why he is maybe the most important person in Marvel. Okay, yeah, I want to hear this. And I don't know if it would hold up, but uh, I'm going to make that argument real quick, is that he was that unique spark that if it was all Kirby and Lee, which is what it would have been without him. Right. Is it too the same? Is it too, it doesn't have this other couple little things to mix in and sort of inspire uh, other stuff. And like, and the, also the fact that he became like the biggest character, Spider-Man. Yeah. Sort of like a tentpole that held up all the other titles, you know, while this company was getting its strength. Maybe it would still have been a very strong company, but maybe it's only half as strong without Ditko's uh, contributions. Yeah. I mean, without Ditko, it'd be like the British invasion without the Beatles. Like, you know, you could still have this movement. It's like a catalyst. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the catalyst and it's also the model. I mean, nobody in the 80s was trying to create characters like the original X-Men. You know, they were trying to create characters like Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, they might have been trying to draw like Kirby because of his awesome style. But if you sit down and you're imagining a superhero, you're prob- you, your brain in some way is starting with Spider-Man. Yeah. And without that, it's not Marvel. I mean, and DC in the post-crisis uh, era, like the late 80s, I feel like all their characters were getting like a bit of Spider-Man in them. Yeah. Like Superman was getting more uh, strife at it. Like it was more about his supporting cast and the flash and green lantern were turned into more uh, regular guys. Like that was how that, like, how do we fix the flash? Just make him an everyday Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Make him relatable, make him more than his powers. Yeah. I mean, they all had their own twists and angles, but I think like that is where that came from. Yeah. I, and the last thing I think I want to say is that there's been so many, adaptions of Spider-Man since Steve Ditko uh, in the comics, in the movies, on TV, every which way, right? But like, I think when a character is that well-defined, which Spider-Man was by the time Ditko left, you know, most of his villains in place, most of the world and the universe defined. Still to this day, if somebody makes a great Spider-Man story, they're using characters that were created by Ditko with Lee. Um, That like Spider-Man as a character is always comes through, whether it's Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland, or John Romita drawing him, or J.M. Uh, Matias writing him in the 80s, you can feel Ditko Spider-Man is there. Like, you can't get rid of him. He, he was too well-defined. Yeah, Ditko, like, ch- Ditko was his high school years, and everybody else is his adult life. Yeah. Um, and you can't shake the, how important that high school years were. <laughs> yeah, you can't get rid of Ditko as a Spider-Man, then any of us can get rid of the people we were in high school. Like, that's... In some ways, that's yeah. one of the truest versions of who you are. The most revealing, at least. Um, yeah. Well, I guess that I guess um, that kind of does it, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, we say it a lot of times, but if you haven't been reading uh, some old Ditko stuff, especially these old Spider-Man comics... This is a good time to do it. If you've just been following along, I mean, grab an issue. Definitely, uh, we're not far away from getting the issues... Uh, uh, 31, 30, 31, 32, 31, 32, 33. Read those when we get to them and see like him at his peak... Uh, or read Amazing Fantasy 15, that story. Yeah. Um, 
Get it on Comixology. I'm sure it's on there. Just read that one. Um, yeah. Get a taste for who this guy was. Yeah. And it tr- that's a great way to honor him. A great way. Yeah. Read. I mean, that's the good news is his work is still out there. And I'd say if you wanted, if you're like, wow, who is this Steve Ditko guy? Yeah. Get Amazing Spider-Man 31, 32, and 33 and read him. I mean, that is his magnum opus. It's great, great reading. Yeah. And it, and it will tell you who this guy is. Um, and we're going to cover it in a couple couple episodes. We're not far away. Yeah, we're... We're, uh, I don't know where we are in the release order, but like five or six issues away. 28 is the next. Uh, oh, no. When we're recording, but that's right. this will be dropped before. Right, right. Issues 26. So. 26 is the next one that's going to be released. Oh, yeah. We recorded episodes for issues 26 and 27 before. I think we talk about Ditko and, you know, he was still alive. Yeah. We recorded those. Yep. Actually, he wasn't. So. We didn't know that yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, so fitting that we will talk about it as if we don't know. If we play it back and we said some weird evil incantation, like we forgot about it or something. Yeah. When's this guy going to kick it <laughs> like right, right away? We're like, oof, that doesn't, that doesn't sound great now. Yeah. Um, I don't know what context we'd be saying that in. I don't know why. But yeah. Um, uh, but we'll be getting to those stories at some point. And Ditko is great. Obviously he inspired Will and I, if without him, we wouldn't be doing this podcast for whatever that's worth. Not much. Um, <laughs> Uh, this podcast is sort of our honoring of his work. Yeah. Uh, one of his greatest works. Yep. We, we want everyone to know this guy. So ho- hopefully we're introducing his stuff to ex- at least somebody. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. If you want to have any thoughts on Ditko or what he meant or what you, th- what you think was special about him, or if we, if we, if there's some aspect of him that we didn't articulate, uh, let us know. You can email us at screwitspidey at Gmail. Uh, I would really be curious if people had not ever read a Ditko comic and they did either because of this podcast or just recently, I would love to hear what you thought, good or bad. I would love to hear your honest opinion. So, yeah, uh, still waiting for a second female. Uh, oh, we've got one. Ooh, exciting. Okay, good. Then we'll, we'll get to we that too. We got one male and I got one over Instagram, but uh, we're not going to talk about those now. Yeah, we'll do that next episode. But um, okay, yeah. so, but we do want to hear from you. So screw it, Spidey at Gmail. We're also on screw it, Spidey on Instagram and Twitter. There's great images on our Instagram. If you go back to the beginning of our Instagram account, there's a few of the elusive photos of Steve Ditko that you can see. And yep. throughout the account, so many examples of his great work that you'll you'll love. Yeah, um, that's it, I guess. Yeah, that's it, everybody. So uh, thanks for listening. R.I.P. Steve Ditko. Uh, you mm-hmm. live on Steve. in your characters, and uh, we'll and we're gonna talk about some more of your characters next episode. Yeah. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Screw it. Screw it. We're just, just gonna talk about Spider Man. Hey, Rachel. Oscar. Yeah, yeah Claire? Claire. Do you love Disney movies? Uh huh. Have you seen them all? Not Not all of them. What do you guys think if we watch them all in chronological order and then talk about them? Ooh. Oh, and what if we could talk about it with some of our favorite friends? (gasps) I love that. Yeah. What if we do it inside the Disney vault? You know, that's the name of our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media. Yeah. Check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours. That's Inside the Disney Vault. Let's go. Campfire.